Welcome, everybody, to the AJ Osborne Show, where we focus on our core tenets, impact, freedom, and progress. Join me and others as we grow through education and discussion. Welcome to the AJ Osborne Podcast, and I am so excited today because I have an author of a book that I absolutely love, Walker Dibel, and I asked him to come on, and I think his book is absolutely fantastic about acquisition entrepreneurship, um, having bought and sold lots of businesses. This is this is a great book, and I think it, it really should be the way that entrepreneurs look at things. So with that said, Walker, thanks for coming on. AJ, thanks so much for inviting me. I'm super excited to be here. I'm a big fan. You know, I think that to get it right off the bat, I love your book so much because I think a lot of people view entrepreneurship as it's just this rough startup from scratch and there's all this risk and this huge failure rates, right? And um, I actually, uh, I think it was from your book. I think it was. I I made a post about the statistics about like small business loans and things that fail and how Mm -hmm. different the defaults on small business loans are from actual entrepreneurship. And I think it's shocking to people when they see it and they go, because the perceived risk, I think, is so skewed. They perceive risk is if I take out a loan, it's more risky than starting a business from scratch with the exact same amount that would have gone into the down payment. You've just said so many things. I'm my mind is wondering which way to go. Let's start at the (laughs) beginning, which is the beginning, which, which is number one. There's two ways to grow any business, right? One is through innovation and the other is through acquisition. And in, in my life, you know, I, I spent a lot of time with entrepreneurs. I've done, I've done the startup things and, and all the rest of it. And I just remember sort of, you know, being in, 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 it wasn't a cocktail party, but just sort of like in a networking event. And this entrepreneur that I knew really well had a, a few successful startups in a row introduced me as this is Walker. He buys and sells companies. And on the one hand, it felt kind of Richard Gere dope. And on the yeah. other hand, you know, that's a pre-woman reference for all us guys. That <laughs> never um, on, the, on the other hand, um, it also felt like this is Walker. He buys things that are already in existence and sells them and like doesn't act. It felt a little yeah. like he doesn't operate. He doesn't yeah. grow. He doesn't A little dismissive. Value. A little. It's almost like I wasn't included. And I was yeah. like, wait a minute, you know. And the thing is, is when you look at the two different ways to grow your business, okay, again, innovation versus acquisition, um, you know, all, all you need to do is look at, you know, the largest companies in the world and look at, you know, how do they generate shareholder wealth? And, you know, sure, Amazon innovates all the time. They also buy Whole Foods, mm-hmm. you know, Facebook innovates all the time. They also buy Instagram. I mean, you know, it's, it's yeah. like one of the ways that you grow is through acquisition. And it's one of these things that, that um, I found luck that I could start by doing acquisition simply because you're getting the right key fundamental business drivers in place first and then being able to manage and grow and innovate from there. Yeah, literally having a conversation with Connor here in my office, who's a uh, co-host of the other podcast last night. And I was like, you know, I will never start another business up from scratch ever. I'll never do it again. And it's, you know, it depends, depends. but like, and and I said that too, it would be more of a passion real thing for me than it would be to like start it because I've started companies, right. And I've bought um, companies and what you said by the acquisition strategy, right. When you look at a lot of service-based businesses, their total revenue returns, right. Okay. They may have had a 
9 to 12% um, increase on the revenue. But when you look at the organic revenue increase, right, or their actual uh, revenue increase on their core business, right, it's like 3%. And what you find is all the, the rest of it is through acquisitions. That's it's right. That's how they're achieving right. those high revenue growth. And I, I don't think a lot of people understand that. That's right. I think that's exactly right. Um, yeah, the thing is that like, you know, when we are starting a business from scratch, um, you know, we all kind of know, you know, the kind of, uh, I don't know, rule of thumb, I'll call it, right? Like that, that everyone sort of claims that, you know, 90% um, of these startups fail, right? Uh -huh. That means 10% make it. And if, and if you talk to, to real entrepreneurs, uh, they'll say that number's too high. It's yeah. less than 10%, right? Yeah. And um, the thing is, is that if you take all of the companies that actually make it, okay, and look at the 28 million firms that are successfully operating in the United States, only 4% of them ever exceed a million dollars in revenue. Yeah, shocking. And so the thing is, is that like, you know, yes, you can look at these big companies that are growing through acquisition, but the concept is, is wait a minute, wait a minute. You know, I can I can run off and you know do all of these things and and and, and raise capital and bring in the right executives and 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 uh, you know have a great thing that people love. And if you're me, 18 months later, be completely out of money. Uh, you know, you know, hat in hand to your investors, running a reorg in a firm with three people in it. You know, can just go go away. Um, yeah. Whereas you know, uh, taking taking a, a business that has existing customers, existing revenue, cash flow right? And infrastructure in terms of both equipment or whatever else is needed um, to deliver the value, uh, human capital in terms of knowledge to execute and deliver. It's kind of, um, I had a chapter in Buy That and Build that I took out and I actually called it Entremetrics. Uh, it was a playoff of Sabermetrics in the, in the movie or book Moneyball that yeah. we all know and love. And uh -huh. it's basically bringing Moneyball to entrepreneurship and saying, look, let's get on first base first before yeah. we start off with our big ambitious dreams, like get on base and then, you know, you can, you can go from there. And the thing with talking that's really interesting is that, um, uh, you own a hundred percent of the company. Yeah. So, you know, if you're, if your goal is to, um, own the equity of the business that you started yeah. or that you manage, uh, acquisition is really probably the easiest way to do it. Well, and, and two, I, I don't know why they're, there is this like um, maybe I don't want to say a stigma or pop culture, kind of like you mentioned before, like entrepreneurship isn't entrepreneurship if you buy a business, but it is if you start a business, um, which is very interesting to me. Right. Uh, I, I don't quite understand why, because I mean, if I want to start a business in any industry at all that's existing outside starting a business that I think meets a demand or a service that doesn't exist. Right. Then. Being an entrepreneur, I need to accrue uh, assets. I need to create a system that will deliver value to the marketplace. And then I need to grow it. And I need to do that all in a cost-efficient way. Well, when you're starting out, most people have no idea of what their true cost revenue will ever be. They have no idea, too, if the if the market will accept their product or service at the um, cost or, or at all. So if I want to be an entrepreneur and I'm thinking about going into anything, it really doesn't matter. And I can buy what I would consider a underperforming business, which is amazing because most industries, the vast majority of companies are underperforming. And when I say underperforming, I'm talking like basic stuff. Like they don't collect 
like they don't they literally don't collect their bills or they don't pay they don't collect the revenue they're not collecting Refuel. invoices yeah. they just forget yeah. about it right or they have delinquencies and they're just riddled with basic stuff nothing mm-hmm. crazy nothing important so you can buy one of those and now i can Im- immediately see total expense loads i can see an roi for certain um, things that i want to do i can go into that buy the company, and then I can grow the business into something it should become. So for me, I'm like, that's just a smart entrepreneurship hack, right? That one, and you included a big thing will allow you to keep more of the equity. It will lower your risk, right? Mm-hmm. And capital is so important. It is the lifeblood of everything. So buying a business that already has capital, um, you're just cutting years off because you can start deploying that capital in the way that you think would be appropriate and exaggerating your ROIs. And it, I don't think it discounts it in any way. In fact, I think it's well, you're probably a little, that's a little smarter way to go about it. The book needed to be written. We'll just yes. say it like that. It's, yeah. Um, and, and you know, you, you talked on turnarounds there. I mean, in, in, in Buy Then Build, I always talk about the AE matrix and that, you know, there's sort of like four ways to, to build value in an acquisition, one of which is the turnaround. Um, you know, if you have, you know, a Facebook acquisition of Instagram, for example, they were buying a high growth business, you know, and, and, and leveraging it from there and not to compare us to Facebook, but those opportunities exist at smaller levels as well. Um, let's talk about the, 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 the risk return kind of, kind of equation yeah. here, right? So, um, you know, we talked about, um, 4% of companies that make it actually, uh, uh, breaking a million dollars in revenue, right? And the big th- the big thing to take on here is none of us, I don't think, I hope, none of us start a business because like they really want to get to like half a million dollars in revenue, right? I yeah. mean, you know, you're trying to get, you're trying. <laughs> yes. uh-huh. you're trying, you know, this is going to be 10 million, you know, whatever the yep. number is. And so the thing is, is if you look at the equation in terms of, you know, how many companies actually survive from startup mode and then exceed $1 million, which we've covered is a really low Whoa. bar to be really exceptional, Okay. Um, um, I don't, you know, it's been a while since I, since I did the math on that, but it's really low. I mean, really? it's like, it's like 1%, like yes. a fraction of a percent, right? Mm-hmm. And if you look at, um, the default rate of SBA loans that have been used to acquire businesses, okay. Um, it's for decades maintained below 1.7%. Yeah. Now what that means is it's kind of the exact, exact reverse equation, right? Mm-hmm. Now what's really important though. AJ, that we understand here is that when you look at the the, the non-default rate, it doesn't actually mean success rate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we made it. Like there's some version of those companies that are not really making it. You know, still going paycheck to paycheck, yeah. barely staying alive. Yeah. And when you, when you look at the recent data coming out of Stanford, um, just done on the search fund uh, space, uh, we start to get some insight into into some of those numbers. And what we see is about um, about 10% of these acquisitions, it's actually 9% of these acquisitions, uh, absolutely explode. And I mean, they like 10x their money, right? Um, but it's le- it's about, um, I want to say it's 25%, like a quarter of the companies um, that never really account uh, account to much other than the sort of like ongoing equity buildup and cash flow that the business is, is doing, right? Yeah. So um, and in that 20%, so there's about a quarter that don't really account to much, but then everyone else at least doubles their money yeah. uh, in the acquisition. Yeah. It, it's so intriguing because on, on one hand, like the reason's obvious, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, they have mm-hmm. assets, they have existing things, they have payroll, they have a proven 
you know, model. Um, but for the vast majority of people, they think that that's just tremendous risk. And uh, it, is. It, it is. We it can't is. ignore it. Yeah. We can't ignore it because you oh, have 100%. to take a personal guarantee almost all yes, the time. all the time. It is tremendous risk, right? And, and two, let it be said, I, I'm really interested because I bought a company that went flop, went under. It was horrible. It almost tanked me, right? Um, mm -hmm. It was really, really bad. Uh, if I would have had your book at the time and read it, I would have avoided <laughs> everything. And I'm being dead serious. I'm mm -hmm. like, I was like, oh, geez, well, I made every mistake in the book. But um, I, I learned from it and we built something uh, much bigger and everything from it. Um, so I am you know, very aware of the risks and, and they're super real. Uh, but when it comes to a comparison of if you're going to be an entrepreneur starting up, the cost associated with building that business, partners, investors, everything else, as associated to taking a down payment, getting a small business loan, right? But mm -hmm. it, those to me are not comparable in risk. Mm -hmm. it, the thing is, is like, what I think buyers miss the most is they're always sort of looking... You know, I spent 10 years buying before before I even started writing this book. And it took me four and a half years to write the book, right? And I did a lot of research and a lot of interactions. And the, the biggest problem I found was that the majority of business buyers, they almost start out like an investor. They almost like put their feet up on the table and say, okay, seller, prove it to me. Like, why on earth should I buy your business? Yeah. It's a complete wrong mindset, right? So if you are going to buy a business with that mindset, I would say, don't do it because it's risky. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Instead, what I want you to do is understand that you are an entrepreneur. Yes. You are the CEO of the company that you are trying to acquire. And your first mission as CEO is find the company. Okay. And when you meet that seller, you're not sitting there trying to, you know, squeeze out all the risk. You want to identify them. But what you're really doing is interviewing to be CEO and owner of that company. Mm -hmm. Okay. Be constructive. Be aggressive, look for the growth opportunities. Understand that when you buy this company, it's yours. And the yes. way that you gain value and wealth and impact is by growing the business and putting your time into it, right? Leading that company, okay? And the thing is, is that like, if I'm gonna lead a company, do I wanna start that company from scratch with zero revenue, zero customers, zero earnings, zero everything, and some money out of my pocket or my friend's pocket? Or do I wanna go in, acquire a business as a multiple of earnings, mm -hmm earnings. Okay. So let's say it's a three X earnings. That's three years times the earnings. So three years of earnings, I get to buy it for. Okay. Now I'm going to chip in, grow that, hopefully grow that company and eliminate that, that multiple pay down to even less. Right. Yeah. So the thing is, is that like, if you are aggressive, if you're a true entrepreneur and you want to operate a business, there's, I mean, to me, there's simply no better way to do it. And so where is the risk? The magic of these acquisitions, AJ is not in de-risking the acquisition. It's an understanding where the risks are, balancing the opportunity with what it is that you're about to do, and then going at it and executing and leading the company. Yeah. In mountain biking, and I'm sure all of us have an analogy kind of like this. When I was first learning to mountain bike, the guy like I I'm horrible. Like I just like hit this, hit that. And the guy's like, hey, listen, uh, when you when you're when you're biking, you look at where you want your bike to go. Mm -hmm. Don't look at the rock. And I was yeah. like, oh. What a tremendous difference that makes. Huge, yes. <laughs> so the point is, is you can sit there and stare at the rock. And if you do, you're going to hit it, right? Yeah. Instead, in business, you're always looking at where, you know, where do I want to go? Yes. Right? I, I, I love that. That is so impactful, especially the idea of how 
you go into buying a business. And I think you're, you, you, as you said it, looking back at like, the times that I failed and succeeded, that was probably the major differentiator. You look like, oh, I'm, I'm an investor, right? I'm just buying okay. this. And, and, and that going into it at that mindset right there puts you, you're, you're not identifying correctly. You're not, you know, no, I, that is just amazing. But I, I want to, you know, I'm so excited about this topic that I, I think we got, I want to backtrack here. So talk to me yeah. about, you, you talked about how you've been, how did you get started buying businesses and, you know, where, give me your backstory here. You know, how'd you get sure, into this? Sure. Yeah, it's, it's, um, it can be a long story if we want it to be, but let's, you know, kind of, <laughs> let me say it like this. Um, you know, when I was, when I was getting my MBA, um, at, Olin School of Business, where I now actually teach acquisition entrepreneurship, which is um, fun. But but so when I was getting my MBA, um, I kind of used it as a resume shield, right? It was like, okay, I've got an opportunity here. I'm going to school for full time. I can start a company, right? Yeah. And me and a couple of MBAs and, and an outside, a non-MBA student um, sort of started this. Um, we licensed this um, uh, uh, 3D so today when you go to the movie theater, you know, you see this real 3D, you put on the glasses and it's, it's not like the red and blue. It's like, it's just three dimensional. So we had yeah. that same technology. I'm not going to say it was the same company. I actually don't know, but we had that same technology, uh, licensed for point of purchase advertising. Okay. okay. And, uh, we were in, um, a big, uh, the Olin cup competition and we were finalists in this competition. We were working on this business plan and um, we had um, a, re a national retailer who wanted to implement our product nationwide. Um, and we had investors starting to line up and we we're really trying to figure out like, okay, how are we going to execute this as this all comes together? So it started to focus on like operations, right? Yeah. Uh, I worked so hard on this project that I ended up like putting myself in the hospital. And, yeah. you know, the doctor was like, I don't know, are you working a lot? I'm like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Just doing the startup thing you yeah. know, and going to school. And so the thing is, is like, um, we ended up, uh, uh, the day before I'll never forget. It was the day before, um, Olin cup announced their winners, right? Which, which by the way, had a cash award. Um, yeah. uh, we lost the license because we were trying to force the issue because we had this customer. And so no one ever said why, but I got the sense that, you know, they were sort of hedging their bets and they're like, look, we're going to go make avatar with James Cameron and pull it from these, you know, these MBA students in St. Louis, you know, yeah, you know? Yeah, <laughs> they yeah. made the right decision. Right. But the thing uh -huh. is, is like we had an Achilles heel because we didn't own the, the, the IP and we the whole company went, went away overnight. Right. Yeah. Um, I learned a couple of things and I graduated and, and I learned a couple of things like number one, uh, my MBA program, although, you know, look, if money is no object, I can't recommend it enough. Okay. And like, like what you learn in an MBA program is well worth it in my opinion. Yeah. Um, um, you know, if you're going into debt, that's, you know, a hundred times your net worth. I don't know. I don't know. You know, yeah. I, I think it's still a good idea, but you know, the yeah, point is, I like, agree. You know, talk about it. But, um, but the thing is, is like that it's really a solution to solve for middle management at large organizations. Yes. Okay. hundred percent. And then when they started teaching entrepreneurship, which, which was about 20 years ago, it was like right after the tech bust was when these, you know, it was all built around these sort of like swing for the fences, like VC yes. back kind of startups, right? And these were my takeaways as I was kind of graduating. And I realized like, you know, like when I walked down, you know, like the, the, the rich neighborhoods in St. Louis, none of these people, like I don't live in Silicon Valley, none of these people yeah. are big tech titans that are on the covers of magazines. 
And we have one of the top 10 richest uh, cities in, in the world, uh, in Ladue, Missouri, right here, right outside of St. Louis. Yeah. Like it's like 90210 level. None of them are like these, te- you know, there's yeah. completely different stuff. And I started to look at, you know, what does this guy do? Like own like six subways or whatever, you know? Yeah. And if you look at, you know, it's sort of like the millionaire next door. But when you look at successful entrepreneurs, they don't look like the people that are yes. on the covers of these magazines. They don't look like, you know, there are VC backed entrepreneurs out there, but let's face it, 75% of entrepreneurs that receive venture capital go to zero. Uh-huh. Just to bring it back to the math we were doing earlier, yeah. like what's the most likely path of success? And that's after they received all the money. That's right. So I, that's right. Key. So I knew there was a way to sort of buy a company. And this was like 2004. Okay. I just didn't know how to do it. And I looked for materials or whatever, and there was nothing of quality out there. I mean, here I am, you know, kind of, kind of coming out of a, of a, you know, top second tier, however you want to classify it, sort of MBA program. No one had any good information. Um, so um, I started trying to figure out how to buy a company. And after about six months, having no data about how long this takes or anything, um, I started to feel very unemployed. <laughs> yeah. And I went, um, and I went corporate for a while. Right. And just yeah. kind of started killing it corporate. And then, um, I started to look part-time on the side again and was like, I got to get out of here. I'm building all, here's the big thing that I want to say, AJ, as I was working for this company, everything that I was doing was growing the business. I was very top line focused. Okay. Um, I interacted with customers. I sold product. I grew the brand, you know, it was all like marketing and sales in my, in my region. And I was like top three in the country. Okay. Uh-huh. I realized every single ounce of energy I was putting into my career was doing nothing but building the company's value that I was working for. Yeah. And they were paying me for my time. Yes. Right. I didn't own my own thing. Yes. And the thing is, is when you are an entrepreneur, it's not a job title. There's nothing that you can do to go out and get an entrepreneur job. You just have it in you. And it's kind of a demon. It's kind of a yes. demon. You have to 100%. do it. 100%. Right? It, it, yeah. It's so funny because we were literally having this conversation uh, last night. And, you know, I'm like, it, it, the best entrepreneurs are naive when they start because I think yes, if, if they were very right. if they were very aware <laughs> of what they were getting into, nobody would do it. Um, yeah, and then second, true. they're just these hard-headed, weird, driven, like, I work just as hard today as I did 20 years. Like, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I just can't stop. Can My wife's like, you're never going to stop. So, so after writing, after writing by then build, uh, you know, you, you sort of end up getting these, these people that, that sort of reach out and they're like, Hey, will you help me find and buy a business? And I'm like, no, no. Like, I, first of all, I got to charge you like 125 grand just cause that's yeah. what it costs. Yeah. And, um, you're not going to, you know, the odds of you succeeding with me helping you are still low. Like, yes. you know, I can help you, but like, so I ended up creating something called the Acquisition Lab. And the concept was, you know, how do we create this sort of like, you know, um, elite, you know, you know, I hired a curriculum designer and, and you know, we, we talked about certification and all the rest of it. And we vet. So we have a 12% acceptance rate to actually get into the lab. We run these small That's cohorts awesome. and it's education, community, you know, whatever, um, whatever tools, you know, yeah. and resources. Yeah. Sorry. I shouldn't, whatever that point. The point is, is um, the, the, the profile of the people that are the most engaged and make the most progress and succeed successful entrepreneurs before they usually started a business, ran a business and sold it. Then they joined the acquisition lab and they're like, I'm not doing that part again. 
Yeah. <laughs> yes. Exactly. So to your point, yeah, mm-hmm. to your point, yeah, they don't want to do that startup because we've done it. Yeah. And it's, it's terribly hard. Terribly hard. And I yeah. think people don't really understand. And, and this is one of the problems that I have, like you talked about in society, we have this, um, like this hero entrepreneurship story or version that, that is just embedded. And this is how it is started in a garage with nothing, but the idea was just so great that everybody took off. Right. Which is just BS. That's not how this actually works. Right. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, it's this, it follows the hero's journey kind of thing, everything. Right. But it makes it almost look more like they were ingenious or these incredible people. Right. And it's just all kind of, it, it, fake, you know, yes, it, right. m- you miss out all the parts that are mm-hmm. true, all the parts that are real, how it really worked, what really happened, how hard it was, how close to failure they were and how much luck was involved in a lot of cases. And mm-hmm. it's not simple like we see on Forbes magazine and read in a half a page article about this great entrepreneur. It, it's just not how it works. And I think that does a huge disservice to people that want to start up businesses or go into entrepreneurships. Uh, because like you said, you're going, seeing all these huge houses go to these places. None of these guys are tech entrepreneurs. Like, you know, what do you do? I own a plumbing business, right? We have 10 locations across the states or yeah. across the state, you know? And all of a sudden you're finding out that, you know, entrepreneurship is generally long-term, hard, hard work, you you really don't make the stats on entrepreneurs. I I'm trying to remember. I think uh, entrepreneurs that have an actual successful business, their average pay is something like thirty percent less than if they would go get a job, and that's, that's right. the vast majority of all entrepreneurs. They that's make right. less than they would if they would have just go have a job. And you have autonomy. You have complete autonomy. Yes, and that's why they do it. These are it, it's a personality thing. It really right. is, and you can usually find the people that are like you're going to be an entrepreneur and you're probably going to succeed even if you fell 10, 15 times and go, but it's, it's, it's an interesting dynamic. Mm. I don't know why we have that kind of, maybe we just like to make heroes and stars out of everybody, but. Yeah. I just, it's also like being an employee. Um, It always bothered me that there was like board meetings that I wasn't in. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) You aren't making decisions. I mean, yeah, right. Sort of like, you know, but, it, 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 you know, let me tell you this story about the first company I bought. It's, I yeah. usually I lead with this. Right. And, yeah. and there's there's yeah. a there's a very obvious reason why, which is um, so I'm looking for a business part time. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm sort of getting, you know, hints that I'm going to be offered like the promotion or whatever. And all of a sudden, uh, my father owns a book printing company. OK, this yeah. is 2000, yeah. 2006. And uh, he says, let's have lunch. And he said, uh, look, I, I know you're out looking for a company. Um, why don't you just come work for me? Uh-huh. And I said, well, why? And he said, well, I don't know. Let's see if you show up first. Yeah. <laughs> but it was kind of it was kind of implied. Um, but the point is, is I, I, I ultimately bought his company shortly after joining the team there as an employee. And the thing is, is that, uh, you know, I was able to work with him and we developed a 27 step plan for the transition of this business. Okay. Yeah. So I had complete trust in the seller. Um, 
he had no idea why I wanted to buy a printing company in 2006. And it was, I'm happy to talk about it, but it was because of all of the underlying trends in the business and the fact that all of the printing companies were missing it. If you were in your 20s, in the 2000s, you were running from printing. Just for a reminder, everyone was saying, print is dead. You know, the Kindle was coming out. Newspapers were going out of business. Horrible time, right? I got in right before that all started. Okay. And I did it deliberately. Okay. We can talk about that if you want. The point is I had a seller I could trust and we ended up working out exactly how this transitions. I don't know why it's 27 steps. It all comes down to, I get a bank loan with a personal guarantee. I write him a big ass check and he stops coming to work. That's how it happened. Okay. I got no no favors just for the record, but here's the point. Here's the point. I shouldn't say that dad, if you're listening, I'm sure you did some (laughs) great thing. I love you and mom. But the point is, is like, the point is, is like, I was exactly the profile of that small group of people that gets to buy a business and understand the immense benefits of it. Meaning, uh, my dad owns a company. I'm the oldest male, mm-hmm. white male in Missouri, right? That, that's yep. like the profile. Okay. Yep. And I know other people who's, father's own companies and they went in and, and did a very similar thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. And the thing was, was here I was trying to start a company. It's terrible, terribly difficult. I then, I then, you know, went corporate. That's fun for a short period of time and the money's great, but it sucks, you know? Mm-hmm. And and so then it was like, wait a minute, I bought this company and look, look at how these economics work. Right. Yeah. And so I went on a two year trying to buy a business spree and ultimately bought my dad's company. Yeah. Go figure. Go, Go figure. figure. Yeah, and I and I can tell you a hundred reasons why that happened that way, and I couldn't buy one of these other companies. Um, but you know, the biggest change that's happened is that I ended up I ran that company for seven years and ended up selling to an acquisition target. Okay, mm-hmm. I then did another startup. AJ, this was the big one that I actually opened the book with. Right, it's like yeah. we got all these things right. Like we're gonna crush it. Eighteen months later, totally broke, no paying customers, lack of product market fit, etc. Um, and the point is, is I realized I keep trying to do these startups and I keep failing at it. And it's just basic statistics. Yes. It's like punishment for not understanding that this Math. is like water. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, but when I bought a company, it worked out, right? Mm-hmm. Even though there was very dark days, this is not easy. This, yes. this is being an owner CEO of a company is hard. hard. Okay. Yes. It's hard. And you know, when we watch a movie and it's Tom Cruise hanging off the side of the building, we're like, oh, stakes are high, but like I'm eating popcorn. That looks great. No, you're literally on the yeah. side of a 150 foot building yes. with a gun trying to break the glass. Like it's hard. hard. Okay? It's really so hard. Is, yeah. So the point is I figured out, wait a minute, I can buy companies. And since I had this exit, let me roll all the money into buying all these companies. Yeah, and so I then I then spent the next um, I think it was 2013 to 2016. I bought six companies, um, all doing um, between I don't know on the low end I would say 750 thousand in revenue, and on the high end probably uh, uh, three and a half. Okay, yeah. so you know were they all, all in the all, same niche or like were they no, all in the same I, industry no, or I, all over? I ended, up, I ended up doing three different verticals. Okay, okay. which I think was the worst decision I ever made. Happy to explore that, but let me say it very quickly like this. Over a 10 year period, I acquired $16.5 million in businesses, in revenue, okay? That's what I acquired, okay? 
obviously the goal is to grow from there, which works out most of the time. We don't, we all know the stats about 75% of the time you're going to be able to grow it. Yeah. Um, if I had bought all 16 and a half million in one vertical and just done a roll up. Okay. My EBITDA just at closing would have been, I don't know. Let's pick a number. Uh, probably 3 million. Okay. Mm-hmm. So my EBITDA, not my SDE, not my adjusted EBITDA, probably 3 million in e- easy. Now, if you're buying 3 million in EBITDA, it's not uncommon to get like a six times exit value. Yeah. But I was buying a bunch of smaller companies. And so, you know, the, 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 the multiples were around three. Yes. So I literally could have bought all in one vertical. Okay. Sold the company for about 18 million probably plus working capital. So call it 20 million. All right. Okay. Then I would have had about 10 million in, in total expenses. Some of that would have been my equity. And a lot of that would have been debt that I would have paid off with the cash flow of the business while I was operating them. So I'm talking about, that's just an easy way to engineer. Yes. Like a $15 million. Okay. Yeah. Roll ups so is something year, that three, you know, five, call it an eight year, call it a seven, seven to eight year. And that's if you're not being aggressive. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So you know, over, that, over eight years, you know, eight years to 15 million. That's the title of my next book. I love it. Yes. <laughs> you know, okay. You know, Walker, it, it's so crazy because your story, it just seems like is so similar to mine, right? So my dad was an insurance salesman. He had an insurance brokerage firm. Okay. So yeah. I went and followed in his footsteps and did insurance sales. Right now. Yeah. Um, I loved it because I, it was solely dependent on my me going out and selling. I didn't get paid from anybody except for my clients, right? Which was great. But then it came down to where it's like, okay, am, you know, how do we get my dad out, right? And am I going to buy this business? Which, you know, there's a lot of different businesses, but this one was really hard because he he made his money off his sales, right? So it it was like, yeah, we have employees and brokers earning, but we make money off the sales we do. So if you leave, your clients leave with you. So I'm like, this isn't really a business I can do anything with, right? I can't, I can't, yeah, yeah. like this is guaranteed to fail. And so I'm like, you know, you need to sell the company and pocket your money, right? And then um, I went and worked for corporate America for four or five years, right? And I'd started up a couple of businesses, everything like that. But then I decided to go niche and I was going to do the roll-up model, which was really in what we were doing, self-storage. And then along the way about tech companies, product companies, all sorts of stuff. Um, But it's so interesting. I'm just like, man, it's just like I'm hearing. And as you're talking, I'm just like, yes, no, I get it, right? I understand it. And when you're looking at, especially when you're nerds like us and totally dived into these things some of these mm-hmm. uh items that uh i found later on that worked and didn't work the roll-up model right which what you just described that eight years to 15 million right whatever that is like the best playbook anybody could ever have right that's essentially how we accrued now 200 million plus in assets was mm-hmm. because we took the thing we it was a simple formula I can buy you at X, your revenue's here. I can increase the, the revenue by 30% by bringing you in-house, right? Mm-hmm. And then your valuation with me is not an eight cap, it's a four cap, 
boom, instant equity. And I build a company around it just to acquire and build up. And that's all we do. We, you know, we acquire businesses, we turn around, we build, um, uh, storage facilities. Uh, you know, after this call, I'm actually, uh, literally an hour after this call, I'm, uh, have another call to finalize another business I'm buying. Um, but when you get it right, you can see it, you can get it. It takes a lot of time. I'm talking, this has been 15 plus years. I've like you felt endlessly publicly embarrassing everything else. How do people in, in your book, once again, I wish I would have read this a long time ago, but your book has so much in-depth like action here and knock. If you're an individual that's saying, all right, guys, I love what you're saying. Okay. Um, right. I want to start, I want to go out, but I don't even know what I don't know. Right. A lot of people, cause you remember it, it your book came this, this book is great. But once again, along this entrepreneurship, you didn't know any of this stuff. This is sweat, blood, tears, a lot of money and a lot of failures. When I look at a book, I'm like, okay, I'm buying whatever it is, however much it is, 19 bucks to see the education from every single failure this person had. That's how I view it. When I read your book, I'm like, I I wonder how it felt. I can see the successes in here, right? Failures, but I'm learning from your failures so I can try not to. How does an individual starting out that may seem overwhelmed and maybe isn't as stupid as me and you and just like, oh, we're just going to do it, right? They're a little smarter. They understand statistics. How, How do they even start down this path? Um, you know, I think that, um, what, uh, look, there's just been such a lack of information around this and look, everything you just said, by the way, there's, here's the thing. There's a little tiny industry called private equity (laughs) that really entrepreneurs using this model are really just borrowing everything that they've done and said, look, I can be the investor. I can be the one who sources the debt and I can be the operator and build it all for myself. Right. That's the point. That's that's what what I do. You said it so nicely yep. in like a great little Venn diagram there. But so, so you know, what I try to do was in, in my book, I try to, I just, look, to your point, you know, it's, it's about 10 years of my life, my entire net worth. Uh, in my, and I want to share with you the first uh, manuscript I sent to my editor. And he, he called me and I was like, it's great, isn't it? So I'm just confused. And I said, oh, what, what is it? And he goes, are you trying to sell me on this idea? And I was like, it's just, there's a lot going on. You got to kind of wait. And he goes, we're pulling all this shit out. You're not selling the concept. And so he was kind of sharing with me that like, yes, there's a dark side to everything, but like, you have to like start with the pitch, right? 100%. Um, yeah. So the thing is, is like, I tried to create, if you go to buy then I tried to create, um, uh, there's a whole bunch of free resources. Okay. And I really just tried to create all of the free resources that I would want to try to get this done. Right. Yes. Uh, feel free to go buy a copy of buy then build it's, you know, $17 or whatever links in the show um, notes, everybody. So you can get it. Yeah. Um, you know, then there's, um, then there's the acquisition lab for people that want to apply and kind of take it to the next level. Um, I teach um, acquisition entrepreneurship at the Owen School of Business. And so the thing is, is along the way, by then build actually got picked up by about half a dozen universities that are, yeah. that are teaching this. Um, in my experience, when I go talk to, you know, was it uh, Ezra Firestone's Blue Ribbon Mastermind talking about buying businesses, what, maybe three weeks ago. When I talk to a room of entrepreneurs, we get fired up. I mean, it's like, okay, how do I do this? How do I implement it tomorrow? Like, go, 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 go. When I'm talking to MBA students, 
it's almost like that investor with their feet up on the table. The questions are very different. And yes. it's, it's not to be misunderstood. It's, it, it, it's logical because they are at a pivotal point in their decision in their career, trying to decide, you know, I'm going to make a decision which direction I'm going to go here. And so the questions I get from uh, my MBA students are very insightful, uh, very brilliant, um, but more analytical as opposed to like, oh my God, you just opened my eyes to this. How do I get it done ASAP? Yeah. Right. You know, so I think that, um, you know, part of my format is please, please, under just make sure you understand the business model first okay yes. because if you understand the business model before you go out in the world you're going to build your own confidence okay and that by the way is probably the value of an mba is just confidence and understanding i know what everyone else knows i have all the models yeah. that everyone else is using right yeah understand the model and it will give you i had um coffee with a guy yesterday who um he's the ceo of a firm he said, Walker, I want to do this so bad. I want to buy a business. I just don't have the balls. Yeah. yeah. Uh -huh. <laughs> and I told him, I said, go read my book and understand the business models, the business model. It will help give you the courage. And it will also, and I don't mean to be pitching my book. I'm so sorry. But the point is, no. it's like, it, it, it gives you the business model. Number one, ROI, return on your investment is fantastic. Number two, margin of safety. The margin of safety here is there. You just need to find it. Yes. Number three, equity buildup, understand it, right? And once you understand how you're going to make money and the, and the risks involved, you can change your mind and start focusing on what is this business offering? What's the growth opportunity? Moreover, to answer your question, the real second step is understanding what do I bring to the table? Yes. We talked about the, you know, the magic is not in the de-risking, right? Yeah. So what the heck do you bring to the table? Are you a revenue generator? Are you a profit maximizer? Like, do you need to live in a certain geographic area? Like you need to understand all of those things to understand the target you're trying to hit. Yes. Okay. Once you understand the business model and you understand what you bring to the table, you can almost ignore industry. Okay. Uh -huh. It's in there, but it's really not as important as many people lead. They usually lead with it. Right. And it's yeah. no, it's, it's an afterthought. Once you come up with your target statement, it's all about looking for that business. Now there's two ways to go about looking for a business. Uh, broker outreach and what a lot of people call proprietary outreach, which is just sort of like uh -huh. reaching out to business owners and saying, hey, I'm looking to buy a company. Can I buy yours? Okay. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> I have a lot to say on this. Um, what I would say is, is, is um, many people at the beginning way, way overweight the importance of proprietary. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. And, and if you talk to people that have actually closed on a business, in my experience, I have no data on this. In my experience, almost all of them say, I spent all my time doing proprietary. I found my deal with a broker. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I'd agree <laughs> with that. Why. Brokers, first of all, a deal that's off market, meaning not, not being worked with a broker and advisor, a deal that's off market, the number one reason it doesn't close is the seller backs out because they never really want to sell anyway. Yeah, exactly. Okay? Number two, when you're working with a, a, a broker, a, a broker that's representing a business, this seller, A, knows he wants to sell. It's on the market. Yep. Two, hopefully, look, there's a big range in brokers, but yep. hopefully you've got a broker that have, have guided them towards, here's what a realistic valuation is for your company. This is the private capital markets. 
it's thin. It's the day of risk for the buyer, the day of reward for you. Like, here's how it works. Like every single entrepreneur I know thinks that their company is worth 20 times EBITDA because it is. We bleed and we sweat and we don't sleep yep. and we work and we work and we work and we work and we know that our life is worth 20 times EBITDA. Yeah. The market will not pay us that, right? Yes. So we need, we need a seller who, who understands that. And then you're able to quickly, what? How many times we say get on base? Get on base with a seller right away because you know they want to sell. You know they have a number in mind. And a lot of times, AJ, someone will come to me, you know, in the lab or whatever and say, hey, uh, I want to make an offer on this business. What do you think I should pay for it? What should I offer? And I'll say, okay, um, is there an asking price on it? And they'll say, yeah, it's right here. A million. It says one million. And I'm like, up a million. They're telling you. Yeah, they're telling you what it is. <laughs> let's, just, let's just start there. Like, well, how do you feel about that? What's, yeah. what's, how many years is represented there? Do we have a plan? Then we can start getting into the deal. But it's sort of like, why, you know. Why am I going to haggle over 90 days of earnings? I don't, can I cuss on this? On this, you can do whatever um, you want on this. <laughs> I don't give a shit. I don't yeah. give a shit about 90 days of earnings if I'm going to grow the business or own it for 10 years or it's or I'm going to own it for my career and put my kids through college and all the rest of it. I don't care. Yeah. yeah, I don't care. Now, to your point earlier, when you are buying a turnaround company, you make money when you buy. That's when you're careful. Okay. But most of the opportunities are like, hey, here's a good business, just kind of like, you know, moving along. And when they found product market fit, the internet was not around. Yeah. That's your opportunity. Yes, that's your opportunity. Right? That's it. Well, and it's funny. That's exactly what we do. We go look for, com we look for companies in our industry that were based between the business, uh, that were started owned before the business models really changed and adapted to the new style. And it's, um, this is applicable in anything we do. Like, any industry, anything I go, I'd say, what are all the new things happening? What are the people being successful in this industry? What has changed over the last 10, 15 years, right? And then just find somebody that hasn't updated the business to modern day times. And there's a large yield on that, right? A, yeah. a really large yield on that. And, you know, brokers, working with brokers, this is an important thing that you, you put out. You're, you're getting to see the market right away, right? So you get to see the deals are come through. You already have sellers. It's a huge hack. But also for a lot of people, you if you're working with a really good, competent broker and they really understand the stuff, what they're doing, they can walk you through a lot of questions that you're probably not even going to know to ask to the individual that owns a business and you're not working with a broker trying to sell, including valuation, including setting up terms and contracts. What is responsibilities after you purchase the business to the seller? There's a lot of things that you can yield from that. And two, I think for a lot of people, that gives them more confidence in actually acquiring the business and creating a plan to execute over the next year. Um, I, I think it's a really important point. And, uh, you know, there's a big difference in quality of brokers. That's where you, I think you've got to be careful. And huge. Um, huge. Can I, can I, here's, here's something I, I said the other day that really I think is a good analogy. It's like, Imagine if, if you were a real estate broker and you didn't actually need a license because the whole market was unregulated. And so everyone just became a real estate broker. That's what we have. Yes. <laughs> yeah, no, you're exactly right. And no one grows up thinking like, I'm going to be a business broker. You know, no, no one thinks that. They just no. sort of like, you know, End up find their way into it. And so, yeah, you get, you get, you get very, very varying degrees of, of quality. Yes, you and, do. And incentives and incentives in, in, in that line of work. Yep. You got to be really, really careful with that. I'd go with trusted firms, 
people that have large track records of sales. And I'd like to always know, hey, so what what ones have you sold? And everything? are these companies still around? <laughs> you know, like yes. I, I want to see those transactions. I want to see these things happening. Um, okay, my next question for you here: more, what what are your like? What are you doing now? What are your plans? Are you going to keep buying uh, businesses? Like, where's your direction today? Yeah, interesting. So, um, yeah. I'm a, okay. I'll start with, I'm a little all over the place, but, but it goes like this. Um, right now, uh, the majority of what I do is sort of three pillars of the same stool. Okay. okay. The f- is companies that I've acquired. Um, uh, I'm actually down to two. Okay. So I've got an e-commerce business that I run and I've got a railing, uh, manufacturing company that I run aluminum railing. Okay. Okay. And very, two very different things. Very different. Um, yeah. Uh, you know, and so I've, I've got those companies, one, you know, the e-commerce business, I pretty much run on my own, uh, and a manufacturing company, I've brought in, um, a general manager, uh, to, to operate the company for me. So I've worked more as like a chairman okay, yes. for that company. Uh, I just don't have enough gray hair. Uh, in fact, <laughs> I've got long hair now. My, ever since I started teaching, I, I felt the need to sort of grow my hair out like a stoned out professor. You That's know right. I mean? Get, but, get, uh, yeah. a, yeah, a mat or a satchel or whatever those things are called. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Indiana yeah, Jones like a, style. A blazer with the yes. jacket. Yeah, yes. I'm working on it. I'm working on it. You know, I, I picked up some some reading glasses. There you go. You're getting there, man. Uh, but uh, but so, so um, the thing is, is like, so these are companies that I own. Uh, the next is sort of sell side, and the next is sort of buy side. On the sell side, um, after ten years of buying, um, I started getting recruited. So, you know, I used to be licensed by the Securities and Exchange Commission right out of college. I was a stockbroker, okay. right? So I understood yeah. the public markets, which which did help me merge into the private markets as an entrepreneur. But the thing was, was along the way, because it's unregulated, I started getting all of the certifications that were possibly out there. So I became a certified M&A advisor, a certified M&A professional, um, you know, a certified uh, exit planning advisor, like all, all the things, right? To just yeah. be like, what am I not understand? Where are my blind spots? And along the way, um, I started getting recruited to become, you know, a broker, yeah. right? I yeah. made a guy fly out from... New York and take me out to a steak lunch and he wanted me to do these 50 to $100 million deals. And I was like, it feels very corporate. You know, I'm more of an entrepreneur. And then yeah. I, I bought a business and, and the guy tried to sell me his brokerage, which has now happened twice. Someone <laughs> tried to sell me their brokerage. And I'm like, nah. Just... So after a decade of buying, um, I called Mark Doust, the founder at Quiet Light, and said, listen, um, I'm getting recruited. Um, I'm having the realization that I love doing deals. I just, the broker has been the single most important person in every exit I've had. Okay. Yeah. And it's very critical on the buy side. And so the thing is, is I see tremendous value in it. I think I'd be amazing at it, but there's only one firm that I would ever work with and that's quiet light. And so, um, uh, quiet light actually has no employees entrepreneurs with our own brokerages and then we sign exclusivity agreements with quiet light so oh that's interesting yeah so there's no, no we're all entrepreneurs we all have our own businesses and and our you know but we operate under this uh, umbrella and um so again not an employee partner right yeah and yeah. um i work with at quiet light i work the single best team i've ever worked with in my entire life everyone's an entrepreneur there, there's no vertical stack ranking. We're all doing the same thing. And if you've ever been in like the entrepreneurs organization, our company-wide meetings is sort of like an EO forum, right? We yeah. meet monthly. It's sort of like what's going on, what's happening in the market, you know, all the rest of it. So sorry for the long story. The point is, is we specialize in selling online. I help online entrepreneurs exit their business. 
Okay. Okay. The third leg of the stool is everything on the buy side. So it means like, it means like, you know, the book buy then build, uh, and ultimately the acquisition lab and just sort of building resources and things for people on the buy side, because, um, you know, the acquisition lab is really the first do it with you buy side advisory service. So it doesn't cost, you know, $150,000 plus a success fee. It costs like five grand all in for everything. You know, it's a, yeah. it's a high ticket item. I get it. Yeah. But like if you compare it, it's one month of a buy side advisory firm. One month is what we do. So the whole goal was, okay, how do I, how do I help everybody to, to my ability, bring yeah. the strongest community I can by vetting everybody and then trying to get this going. And so we, in the last 12 months, we've had uh, 30 acquisitions. Wow. Yeah. Just from people who have joined the lab and, you know, learned yeah. and worked with us. Right. So That's those are amazing. the three legs. So companies I own, mm-hmm. uh, buy side startup. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, the irony is that I did a startup to help people buy businesses because you shouldn't start companies, right? That's the, uh, that's you. And then, and then yes. uh, uh, yeah. And then, and then uh, doing brokerage as well. And then, and then there's over here, I've got a number of things that I'm minority partners in, uh, both in real estate and film and, and other things. That's awesome. I love it. And, you yeah. know, I think too, though, it shows how as you're going through, uh, entrepreneurship, f- failure, success, you can take those skills and start to apply them in a lot of different directions. It, it creates more options for you in life. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, once again, hearing that, I same thing. We have our three-leg stool. We have different companies we own. Um, no, it's just awesome. Well, man, we've already kept you for an hour. I could literally dive in your book chapter by chapter, but that's probably not a uh, good use of your time. Um, so first of all, tell, tell everybody where they can go find out more about you, what you're doing. I'll have the book in the show notes. Sure. I mean, by then is a great place to go. I've got a free three day video series. I've got a resources tab. That's just all the free stuff there. So that's a great place to just go and get started and figure out, you know, if you want to know more. Awesome. Perfect. And we'll put all that in the show notes and Hey, Thank you so much for coming on. This has been uh, very entertaining for me and very informative. So I really appreciate it. AJ, thanks so much for your time.